Another episode of Bros 3 Podcast for Monday, uh, June 3rd, 2019. How you doing, fam? I say, how you doing? We're trying something a little different. Um, I had to work the midnight shift, and I really want to get this out to you, so we're going to try to do this one on the road. We're going to try, uh, uh, I don't know, on the road, Bros 3, on the road edition. And speaking of Bros 3, as in three brothers, where are your bros at, bro number one? We want the brothers, man. We don't want just the brother, man. We want the brothers, man. So where are your brothers? Okay, fair enough. Good question, fair question. Uh, brother number two. Uh, well, you know, he he has, you know, he's a little bougie. He lives a little opulent. He has an extravagant lifestyle. So, you know, when I told him I was going to be driving from my job, you said, you know, the way he normally asks questions, you know, and where is this, this, what is this job you speak of? I said, oh, it's a place I go multiple hours a day for a set amount of time, and they give me amount, a certain amount, agreed upon amount. Hmm, interesting. I said, yeah, well, I got to drive there, so I'm hoping to try to get an episode of the podcast, you know, banged out as I drive. And he was like, unacceptable, unacceptable. I see. I only, I'm chauffeured by my good manservant, Cato. I said, Cato, like Cato from the Green Hornet? So yes, exactly, my good man. Uh, his name is Cato uh, Fonsworth. I said, oh, so he knows karate, he dance around an umbrella. He's like, indubitably. I said, fair enough. And bro, number three, unfortunately, um, he's, uh, you know, currently in Florida. So, you know, uh, I asked him would he be able to get an Apache helicopter to drop him off and then he can ride with me and brother number three in his normal chipper fashion. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's a gross misuse of military personnel and or equipment. I said, okay, well, so that's a no. He said, negatory, good buddy. And then from there, you know, flew off into the sunset playing um, Ride of the Valkyries. So, fair enough. It's just me in the car trying something different. Um, yeah, so while everyone's getting up, getting ready to go to work, I am on the trek home. And, uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I read something in the news. Well, I read a couple things in the news, but I see now that koalas, the little koala bears, they are now what they're calling, quote-unquote, functionally extinct. Now, I'm assuming that their numbers are so low that they are, uh, I guess, extinct. I mean, I, I think the numbers are so low that, I guess, for them to come back, back to like a, into a, you know, a, a good sizable population I think those that's all but out the window and I just started thinking uh, 
koalas are interesting creatures. Apparently, they when they eat the koala, the eucalyptus, like that keeps them like kind of in a state of being high. And I will say is koalas have fallen a long way. I know back in the early 80s, or maybe late 80s, they were like the mascot of Australia. Like, come come to Australia, mate. And then they would have the koala hanging on to a palm tree, which they don't hang on palm trees. They hang on koala uh, eucalyptus trees. And they would have sunglasses. They're like, good day, mate. Put another shrimp on the barbie in Australia. And come see the koala bears before a dingo eat your baby. And now, I mean, a couple years ago, somehow, which I don't know how, koalas was ended up with herpes. No, I'm sorry, syphilis. And it was killing them. And everyone like, how does a koala ends up with it? I don't know. But at the same time, it was feline AIDS. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, koalas, they eat the, the eucalyptus. And I didn't notice, but eucalyptus give them like a mild buzz. So man, they, they only eat one primary food source, as far as I know. And it keeps them high. So they get high, they get the munchies, they keep eating the eucalyptus. It's a vicious cycle. So with all the unprotected sex and drug uses, now they're functionally extinct. But then, so okay, so what does a lonely, able-bodied, newly sober koala do? Nice strapping young man, got his own eucalyptus tree of his own, you know, but he kicked the habit. What does he do? Well, you got to start dating outside your species, right? You got to start dating outside your species. And being a bear, I mean, yeah, technically a koala is a bear, but they're small. Like, you can't date a grizzly bear. Uh, You can't date a brown bear. Polar bears, that's a long-distance relationship. That's not going to work. So where do you go? I would think, I would imagine the best, the best, I guess, would probably a panda. And there's a size difference there. Pandas are bigger. And yeah, they look cuddly. They cute. It's almost like a, it's like a tender picture, like a tender profile dating site. It's like, oh my God, she's cute, but she's working them angles, B. She's working the angles because pandas are humongous. They look small and cuddly. No, they're really big. They're they bear bears, you know what I'm saying? They, 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 they come by their honest. And see what they don't show you is pandas actually have tempers, like they've mauled people to death. But they also clumsy. Like it's crazy, right? So they clumsy, but they got a temper. And then they only eat bamboo. And because bamboo, like a whole forest of bamboo, can grow and like wither within weeks. Bamboos grow super, super at an accelerated rate. But each stalk ain't his own plant. Give y'all some of this Steve Irwin love right here. That way you can be around the water cooler. Like, do you know that, you know, bamboos are whatever. So a whole forest of bamboo can rise and fall within, you know, span of a couple weeks. And then on top of that, with so much, uh, what's the word, when they cut down plants to make room for cities and stuff, like they losing a lot of a lot of land. So 
And also the thing is, pandas, <laughs> this is true by the way, pandas have really low sex drives to the point where they actually have to show pandas panda porn to get them to want to mate, right? So, <laughs> I don't know, like dating a panda woman seems as a koala, I think you could do better, but that's really kind of closest thing you got. So not only that, pandas, panda women, they give birth to two babies. And for some reason, this is just the oddness of a panda. It's almost like they are very representative of their their coat. Like they're bipolar animals. So check this out. So it gives birth to two babies, typically. And somehow nature has deemed that they take care of one baby and then let the other one die. It got to the point where zookeepers, when they finally get these mopey pandas to do the uachikachi, they have to trick the mama panda. So what they do is they let it feed the one panda, right? And then distracts it. Hey, Ming Ling, look over here. And then the, the panda's stupid. They look over like, huh? They snatch the one baby and then she like a, you know, terrible mama in the lifetime movie. Like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? They were like, shout out Ming Ling, it's right here. They're like, oh. And pandas don't even recognize it, right? So do you want to be a koala sitting there munching on your eucalyptus? I'm sorry, trying not to munch on the eucalyptus leaves. You ain't doing it in parties. You, you recreational eat eucalyptus, right? And then you got this, what, this uh, baby mama. Y'all been blessed with twins, you know, two beautiful cubs. She only want to take care of one. She bipolar. And on top of that, to get her in the mood, you got to show her interracial bear loving. I, it's interesting to me. Because what's, okay, so if... If a panda's bipolar, then a grizzly got to be a mean woman. And obviously, she's even bigger. Black bears, they cute. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. A koala could date a red panda. Red pandas are about roughly the size of a raccoon, like a large raccoon. They're cute. Think of a Shifu off a of Kung Fu Panda. Like Shifu, the little sensei, look almost like Gizmo from uh, Gremlins. Cute, small, roughly the same size, I guess. That could probably work out. That's a relationship that I could kind of see getting some traction. So Chip, Mel, Koalas, there's still hope out there. Scott, they outside the species. I already know it's some hardcore pandas like, nah. Nah, it's some hardcore koalas like, nah, B. Nah, man, it's some strong single koala women out there who need a strong koala man. I'm just trying to be the man these koala women need me to be. You know, uh, speaking of, I'm still on the road here. You know, I just, you know how you realize, some people do things and they don't realize why they do them. And they don't want to necessarily do them, but they find themselves still doing it. I just had a situation like that right before I left work. Alright, so I don't mean to be uh, standoffish when I meet new people. That's just kind of a, a character trait that I'm trying to work my way out of. I don't like it, but I can't deny it's still a part of 
a lot of initial interactions when I meet new people. To the point so that it's so much a part of my initial interaction with people to the point where once people are actually comfortable with me, they always say, do you remember like how we met? you remember what the first things you said to me? And I always cringe because honestly, I, I never do. Um, <laughs> and I mean, sometimes they're funny. Other times they're kind of cringeworthy. Now, as I get older, I try to fight the urges more, but uh, sometimes things slip out, right? Um, and I think I do it because I don't know how to how to really access access assess certain new people. But also, okay, back in my day, right? Back in my day, brought to you by Nostalgia. Sha na na na. When I first started working at the prison, 24, fresh face, you know, no hair on my face, nothing, just. Ain't optimistic. Oh, jeez, the optimism on this kid. He's going to change the world. Look at him. So, like, my supervisor, like, a lot of times, you don't have time for new people. You know, new people are not, like, a welcome member of your group. They're more like, oh, this is another headache I got to deal with, in addition to the 20 people stabbing each other or something. Like, it was, new people are looked at as more burdens until you actually know what you're doing. That's just kind of just the way it is. And I know maybe it's not the right way to do it, but. So I remember one of my training officers, the first time, was sitting there, and we didn't even have uniforms. We were just sitting in our civilian clothes, and, you know, I was still, I was raised to dress nice for a job. So I'm wearing, like, a, a nice dress shirt, some decent slacks, and pain loafers. I don't know why. Looking back on it, it's probably the last thing you want to wear in jail, you know, because those nice pants showing off the contours of your body and a nice subtle breeze is going to push that dress shirt close to you. They're going to say, oh, he works out a little bit. And then you can't run because penny lovers ain't got no grip. All bad decision all the way around. Worst dress of you. So anyway, my, my supervisor, we sitting behind his desk. So he's sitting there. He's writing up his reports. He kind of glanced over his shoulders. Me and another gentleman. And so he goes back to writing his paperwork and like, he glances back over. He knows we're back there, and of course we're new, so we're sitting there, backs perfectly straight, and a little nervous because it's inmates, two, three hundred inmates walking around. They yelling things at us like, "Hey man, I'm gonna get that boy right there, quiet boy, down right there with the khaki pants on." And of course, you look down like, "Oh jeez, I got on khaki pants, oh so I got admirers, you know, stuff like that." My supervisor finally got finished writing his report, set his pen down, turned around, and finally like looked at us, like really kind of gave us. Once over, just kind of see what the new officers was, what they might be mad at. Of. And my supervisor, older black guy, he looked at me and said, "Anybody tell you you got pretty lip? You got pretty lips?" I'm like, I mean, I ain't want to lie to him. I've heard it a time or two. I was like, uh, yeah, I think I heard it a time or two. He's like, huh? Okay. Turn back around, start writing his report. <laughs> as soon as he said it. So another inmate was walking by, and then I was sitting next to a heavy set Hispanic guy. The supervisor was like, "Hey, whatever the inmate name was, hey, what'd you do to this? What would you do to this dude right here?" And he looked my man up and down, like really kind of gave some thought. He was like, "Man, his big, his big butt. Oh man, I make love to him. I do this, that, and other." And I was like, "Well, thank God he just asked me if anybody told me I had pretty lips, because that was something I could honest, I could answer honestly. 
And he actually threw, threw the little Spanish guy to the wolves. Like, what would you do to my homie Miguel over here? Like, oh, man, I'd fold him up, make him a sweet pretzel. he get the honey glaze. All, you know, like, jeez. And then my man, again, stopped writing. I look at Miguel. Miguel kind of look at me. He was like, what did we sign up for? He looked at me. My supervisor turned back around. He said, did that shake you? I was like, no, not really. He's asking me if I had pretty lips. <laughs> he said, Miguel, that shake you? And Miguel was like, I, I mean, I didn't like it. He said, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you can't deal with that, then you're probably in the wrong field. And then start writing again. It was almost like a trial by fire. Like, if you can't deal with just this little pressure, you can't deal with more. So, I think I got that ingrained in me. So, when I meet new people, you know, I, I, at least at the job, like, I want to see what you're about. Are you going to be shaking if someone doesn't like you right off the top, uh, you know, at, at, at the beginning of meeting you? Like, are you going to shy away from um, someone asking you how you feel about things? Or not, not necessarily, I'm not questioning who you are. You are who you are. But at the same time, I don't have to like you. Okay, well, I'm going to go buy a car. I don't like car dealers. I don't. Just because there's a desperation on some of them. And the more desperate they are, the more they have to lie to make the sale. Like, when I first, I when, younger, when I was younger, let's say 23, 24, 25, didn't have the best credit. Stopped my car, I had a very bad car, but it was paid for, and by gosh, it was all mine. But I did want to upgrade. As soon as I stopped the car, before I even got out of the car, this slick, looking car so I'm like hey come here like we ain't look at the first car yet and me being older I mean being me being younger not being like no nah, I'm good I'm gonna look around first don't don't rush me you know I went to him he's like <clears throat> let's let's check the paperwork you know let's check some paperwork and again I have not seen the first car in this lot so we sit there we do paperwork whatever and as I'm sitting there 10 15 minutes go by I see a Bonneville pull up right in front uh, the the car place. He was like, "Come on outside. I'm gonna show you something." I'm like, "Okay, what's up?" So we go out and we're looking at the car, Bonneville. He's showing me all the features of this Bonneville, and it was an older Bonneville. He was like, "It's got dual climate control, and that was new back in 2004." I'm like, "Oh man, that's nice." He was like, "Look at the seats and look at all this stuff." I'm like, "This is a really nice car." He was like, "Oh yeah, and this is still for only twenty-four thousand dollars, which was." a little bit more than I wanted to spend. I said, well, uh, this is nice. And he was like, here's the keys. Now see, here's a secret, young people. When they give you those keys, they want you to hold on to them. The reason they want you to hold on to them is because you form a bond with this car. Keys uh, equal ownership. So the longer you hold these keys, you, you get attached to the car. It's a psychological, small thing, but psychological. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want these kids. He's like, man, go on there and take them. I said, I would really like to look around because now I feel like a, I feel like a pretty girl being pressured. He asked me if I had a pretty mouth. I said, yeah, I got a pretty mouth. Now he asked me if, if I'm putting on lipstick. Like, well, wait a minute. This is moving awfully fast. I don't even know you. In the words of Janet Jackson, let's, let's wait a while. And then my man went straight up. Uh, I turned on me. Not, not literally, but he was like, look here, man. Your credit score's a 427. This is your car. <laughs> like, you gonna take it 
oh, you know, like this, this is the best you're gonna get. And now, me being a hurt person, but I still would like to look around. Let it be my choice, my body, my choice. And he was like, man, get out of here. Like, he just kicked me off the lot. Like, you wanna play hard to get, look at you. You a ragamuffin. I didn't like that. So, I don't like car dealers. Car dealership. Car, the peak car salesman. Big sales persons. I'm sorry, car sales persons. You gotta be all inclusive. Because women can be just as, you know, manipulative as the men. You know, they can come out there with a little mini skirt, like, oh, this, I like the color and all. They always hit you with the cold air. Ooh, yeah, this car got cold air, men and women. Okay. It only takes 50 bucks to, uh, you know, fill up the antifreeze, not antifreon. So I'm supposed to spend, what, thousands upon thousands of dollars because it's cold air? Well, guess what? I've had cars with no air before. They don't move me, they don't, they don't impress me much. I don't have a problem. I know everyone has to make a living. But what I'm saying is you don't have to like everyone because everyone smiles in your face and everyone don't got your best interest. And then the bad thing is don't ever, men, if you ever burn a car for yourself, never take a woman with you. And the only reason I'm saying that, don't take your kids with you either. The reason you don't do that, and I've actually heard this from an actual car salesperson, is because instead of the car salesperson trying to save the car now you have your wife or your girlfriend significant other along with your kids also trying to sell you on this car so they show you a nice colored car and the woman likes the color she don't know what's in the engine she don't know the gas mileage she don't know what the financial situation is. she just knows she like that car that color it's gonna look good on her nails and she gonna be matching with the car and y'all gonna take pretty pictures in front of it the kids just know it's a new back seat and heaven forbid if there's um TVs and the headrest. Kid, no, he sold. So now you got your woman, your kids, and the car salesman trying to pressure you into a financial decision. You see me, I, I don't have a, I don't have a hard time breaking everybody's hearts. Like nope, nope, and nope. Everybody get back in the car, and if you want, you want to protest, now protest too much. Guess what? You can get a job here, and you can see this car every day until somebody buy it, or y'all can take, y'all put it on to y'all name. You know, that's just what it is. Hey, since I'm driving, I can't really check the... There'll be no BTP news today. Oh, man, I just got passed by a Lotus. That's nice. Oh, my gosh. That's nice. But, I got a question, man. What happened to eloquence in speaking? The reason I, I had this thought... Um... Bro number three, no, I'm sorry, bro number two does the reading. You probably heard him before I um, took a little break. He does the reading, <laughs> the little sponsorship reading. Now, a couple episodes ago, that would have been my voice. But my, my mom and various other people say, Tony, ah, like, I can't believe you couldn't do the reading. Like, you couldn't read the script and make it sound good and legible. And I had to tell people, I've, I've had to keep telling people, I can read. I can, please believe me, I can read. I was like, I was just, I was at work and I went to the bathroom and I, and I saw the, I saw the, the little message. And I was like, oh, I get paid for doing this. And I read it and I was like, okay, that's good. But I, I was not eloquent in my speaking. So now everybody who listens to the podcast, I heard those uh, couple first recordings 
think that me and reading are not fundamental, thinking that I missed the reading rainbow. That's not the case. That's just some people have more more impressive talents. And, you know, brother number two, he, he speaks very well. Oh, I just saw police me chasing somebody. So, anyway, what happened to the eloquence of speaking? You know, like, I listen to my podcast because I listen to it to get better. But, like, there used to be, um, speaking used to be a way of really expressing yourself. Not just what you wanted, but just, you know, thou protest too much. You know, like, there used to be, when did we drop the, the doth and thou? I mean, I know technically it was 13, 1500s. You know, but the reason we dropped is because we got lazy not speaking. And now even so much more, even more so with the eloquence in which we write things. You know, when was the last time, ladies, when was the last time a man wrote you something that set your set your hearts a swooning? You know, now we send you a text, you up, you know, we don't even say, oh, what is thou doing such this late? How does this night find you? We don't say that no more. We send you the letter U and up. Or W-Y-D. You know, what are you doing? We don't say, you know, and at this very hour, you make my soul quiver and my heart yearn for you. And where, oh where, are you in this big, beautiful world? You know, what... Where can your light shine upon me? We don't say that. Like, and, but the bad thing is, y'all not even expecting it. If a man said that to you, you'd be like, huh? Or you'll send him to uh, SMH. You know? <laughs> that becomes a, a disclaimer. You know? Um, and, and, okay. I know I always fuss about music. But let's go to the music now. You know? We used to say, what? I am Ozymoth, destroyer of worlds. You know, rig upon, uh, look upon my works and tremble. Basically, like a, a threat. Like, look, you know, don't test, you don't want, no, you don't test me. Wait, hold on, wait a minute, wait. Don't make, don't make me kill, me kill. No body in her, in her. And we don't even, we, our threats ain't even the same no more. I'ma pull up, skirt, skirt. We just make the sound effect, you know what I'm saying? Woe to you who upsetteth me and uh, rain upon my what man, uh, lightning and thunder, you know what I'm saying? And you'll be shaken to the bone. No, we don't say it no more. It's like, I cool, I pull up, hop out, pop trunk on food. I let loose my all these stupid sound effects. I think we need to get back to, you know, being able to talk. And look, I know I'm the, I'm the last person to talk about the eloquence in speaking and diction and punctuation because I say you know the most. But I'm trying, trying to get better, I'm trying to swoon the ladies, I'm trying to threaten people in menacing ways. But I'm going to tell you, in my line of work, you can't say I'm going to tell you, if you go biblical, I did learn that from Samuel Jackson. If you tell somebody, look, if, it's, if there's going to be a problem, I will rain fire and brimstone, and the likes of which you've never seen. 
Yeah, people don't know what that means, but fire and brimstone, the alliteration and the, the word, I won't say visualization, but now I'm just doing a Don King situation. Oh, that rhyme too. Look at me.